Welcome everybody back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and of course I got my co-host Matt here with me. The New York Jets have made it back on track. They are coming off a 31 to 10 shellacking of the Chicago Bears. Mike Effin White was able to do Mike Effin White things and Chuck passes all over the field. 300 and I believe it was 15 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, only had about five incompletions the whole day. Excellent game from the offense overall. They had over 100 or 460 total yards or four. Yeah, 460 total yards. Running backs uh, were running all over the place. Ty Johnson and Bam Knight got some some fresh legs in the backfield, got a chance from Robert Sala this week, responded with 131 yards on 19 carries. This was the game from the offense that we've been waiting to see for a long time. And I think first and foremost, Matt, we got to start with no other place other than Mike White at quarterback and really just evaluate White as a whole. There's going to be a lot of people questioning this week. How good was Mike White actually? And I think it's important for us to put that in context where I know, you know, this after the game immediately last night and we were talking off air, I was a little less impressed with Mike White than maybe I would have been in other times because I figured the whole offense was playing well. The offensive line was blocking really well. They were giving him time to throw. Guys were getting open. The play calls were there. And White was doing a really good job executing the game plan, but wasn't doing so much himself to kind of make plays happen. And then, as I mentioned to you, Matt, I had rewatched the game last night and this morning, and I was really wrong with that initial take. There was a lot that Mike White did that made this offense go, especially on third down where his ability to shuffle in the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, not get affected by pressure, make plays with the pocket collapsing and step into throws and be that comfortable, calming presence under center for this offense. It really kept them on schedule. By one of the plays that sticks out in my head is on third down. He is a little flip out to Ty Johnson in the flat that goes for 16 yards on third and two. And he's getting pressured up the middle. Nice little shuffle slide to the left, keeps his eyes downfield, doesn't wait too long to get to the check down, gets it out on time and the Jets convert. It, little things like that don't seem like they matter so much. But when you watch a guy like Zach Wilson for a few weeks that can't execute those little things, it really makes a difference. And I'm really happy with how Mike White played. I'm excited to see him again this week. Yeah, he he really stepped up to the plate and, and followed through. Uh, like you said, it, it, he was just on time. Everything seemed to flow very well. Yeah, he wasn't pressured as much as, uh, as Zach has in, in most of the games he's played in this year. Uh, but at the same time, he did it everything in time. So even if he was pressured, he got the ball out quick enough where I probably would have said, all right, if he was pressured, then it, it probably would still be the same result. Uh, it, it, everything just seemed to work for him. Yeah, he did have some throws that were maybe a turnover worthy throws. There was definitely that uh, almost interception uh, that I believe Eddie uh, Jackson almost had. And then I think there was another diving play that was almost an interception. Um, yeah. He had one late in the time, game. That was a throw to the sideline. That was late. That was almost yeah, it was, picked. It was just kind of like a late throwaway, uh low and outside, but it, yeah, I, I, I'm still very impressed because his, uh, his uh, big time throws were was up like crazy since from last year, and not only was he able to fit the ball into tight windows, he was able to fit the ball into tight windows downfield. And a lot of people were skeptical about his ability to really make a difference uh, in the intermediate to deep uh, passes, twenty yards plus. Uh, and he did it in the rain, which is very impressive. Uh, and he didn't just focus on Garrett Wilson either. He spread the ball around beautifully uh, with Davis, Wilson, Moore, the running backs, the tight ends. Everybody got involved. 
whoever w- needed a good game, they had one. Uh, uh, it, it was a beautiful thing to see. Uh, people are going to say, hey, it's just the Bears. But look at all the other quarterbacks that faced the Bears this year. And Zach, uh, I keep calling him Zach. Mike White has uh, done better than all. He's He leads the pack with uh, his performance against the Bears defense. Uh, and yeah, the, the Bears defense isn't great, but I believe their pass defense uh, is maybe towards the middle. So it's not like uh, that group is totally devoid of, of talent. Uh, so overall, yeah, I was very impressed. Uh, and I can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah, I agree. And I think there is something to the competition aspects where we do have to be realistic and say that the Bears are a lesser talented team and their pass defense is not terrible, but they were missing two of their starters and two of their uh, second round rookies and Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker, who've been playing pretty good. And then Eddie Jackson goes down with what I'm pretty sure is an Achilles tear. I don't know if that's been officially announced, but based on what it looked like on the field, that's what my guess would be. And he missed the rest of the game. They had, I believe, one of their backup safeties was already hurt to start that game before Eddie Jackson even got hurt. So there was a lot of issues for Chicago. And when you are a team like the Jets facing an opponent that you're more talented than that's dealing with injury problems that gets even more injured as the game goes on, you should blow them out. And that's what the Jets did. And I think that's important is that you can make the argument of, oh, it was just the Bears or, oh, they were missing starters. And yes, there is something to that. But if that is going to be the situation the Jets are playing in, you would expect them to be far and away the better team, and they absolutely were. So I'm not going to spend too long on that argument because I think the Jets were supposed to handle business and did, so what more could you ask for? For Mike Mm -hmm. White in particular, Mike White was so good at the little parts of quarterbacking that Zach Wilson has been struggling with, and it made all the difference. Because for me, Matt, and I don't know about your opinion, but I was talking with Lamont Jordan over on Believe in Jets earlier today, and he had made a point that I thought was pretty poignant. This wasn't a different offensive system. No. These weren't new play calls that Michael LaFleur was drawing up, and you know we're going to bring out a whole brand new offense with a bunch of new wrinkles for Mike White and make him look so great. This was the same Jets offense that we've seen all season long. And White just executed it better. His timing was better. He was more aware of where his receivers were supposed to be. His footwork was cleaner. It was more deliberate. His play from the pocket was more comfortable. His mechanics were clean and and compact for most of the game. His accuracy was on point. He was decisive. He was confident. He knew where his checkdowns were and got to them when he had to. He knew when to be aggressive and didn't shy away from being aggressive. Just the ability to stay calm, Keep your mechanics clean, keep your eyes downfield, trust the protection in front of you and distribute the ball. Seems like it's so simple, but there really is something to that. And especially for Mike White to do it in the rain and stay in completely control of the ball pretty much the whole day. That's that speaks to his arm talent. And I don't feel like we given Mike White enough credit for his arm talent. He made some absolutely fantastic throws yesterday. The 42 yard ball to Elijah Moore, where he catches it and breaks a tackle and runs up the sideline is an absolute bullet between a cornerback and a safety on a dig route where the safety's driving down from over top and the corners in trail off Elijah Moore cutting inside. And right as Elijah Moore is breaking to the inside, Mike White throws the ball down the field, puts it on his chest, an absolutely perfect throw. You go to the first pass play of the game is the same slant flat concept that we've seen the Jets run. It's the same play that Zach Wilson threw a pick on in the preseason. And they run Carter out to the flat and it takes a linebacker out in man coverage. And they send Garrett Wilson on the slant behind it over the middle. And Mike White drills that between two defenders and picks up a first down on second and four. 
there was a handful of opportunities in this game where he was making some very, very difficult passes that are not just throwing to an open check down or hitting some guy that's wide open over the middle. There was a lot more to it. And white was able to execute at a very high level. I'm, I'm trying not to put too much on white himself and say, Oh, you know, everything is all because of him and, and everything is his, his fault. And, and they're the only, he's the only reason that they have this improvement because I really don't think that's the case. I think that this was an improvement from a lot of different players and not simply just Mike White being in there making all the difference. But you can't ignore the fact that this team was playing harder than I've seen them play in a while, that this team was playing with a hell of a lot more energy and having a lot more fun than I've seen them have in a while, and that there was a different, I don't want to say vibe, but different energy about this team and this offense when Mike White under center, where after that first drive, I feel like, where they were able to march right down the field and score a touchdown, I felt like everyone in the building kind of knew we're going to be okay and we know what's about to happen. And it just took off from there. There's something to that. And, and I don't know if it's just Mike white or if it's the fact that it's not Zach Wilson anymore, but (laughs) there's something to that. And Mike white deserves credit for how he played and keep it for the offense, the performance that they were able to have. But when your offense puts up, over 460 plus yards combined for the day, but rushing and passing, it's a good day overall from everybody. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to say, say it's the latter there because it's not a coincidence that just about every single quarterback in this offense succeeds, except for Zach. And you got the Chris Sims of the world that are going to be like, oh, it's the Bears defense. But at the same time, if you put Zach against another horrible defense, like let's say the Texans last year, he still only managed 140 something yards and an, only an interception and no touchdowns. So, all right, you put him up against a bad defense. That's what happens. So it's not a guarantee th- that if you put Zach in this situation, that he does have the same game. Uh, it, I don't care who th- they're playing. It's just not a guarantee because he, at any moment, Zach can Zach and that ball s- starts sailing. That ball slips out of his hands and uh, any number of things that Zach has done over the, the years, the, the last two years could have happened. So I think it's all about the offense. It's all about the talent that we have. And then Mike White is just the guy that can unlock it all. He is just the perfect combination of competent and talent, talented to, to make this offense work the way it needs to work. and. I don't see any reason why it can't grow and become even better because, hey, Mike White's this is only his first start this year. And even though the the team is is loves uh, uh, Mike White, it's it's not like he's had this that much time with the team to really uh, get used to everybody with first team snaps. So I think it can only get better. He'll get better timing with everybody, get better feel for everybody. even better anticipate some things uh, that could only get better. Uh, the connection with more is something that I was kind of hoping for that, that South Florida connection that he has with him. Uh, and it showed out and yeah, that energy you talked about, it was, it was obvious, especially with that more score I, I saw a smile yeah. on him. I haven't seen in a very long time, maybe since uh, one jets drive playing pool with, with Michael Carter. Uh, yeah, they are having fun and that's what, this is a game. and. I, 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 they were playing like it, like it was a fun game. Uh, so yeah, 
that's that's what the kind of attitude we need going forward. It's the kind of attitude that will allow us to stack wins on top of each other. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is is kind of the, the ending point I want to make before we move on to, I think we'll be talk about some running backs and some some unsung heroes, uh, unsung heroes of this game. But this is really the question going forward is how long do you keep Mike White in? And if he continues playing this way, does he ever come off the field? And I'm going to be honest, if he keeps having 300 yard, three touchdown games, I don't see how you can bench him. I don't see how there's (laughs) right. I I don't see why any logical coaching staff would do that. That said, this is where this is why I want to see Mike White continue playing, not only because I think the functioning baseline of the offense is so much higher and the Jets are going to be a better team overall. But in the random fairy tale story event that there's a chance that Mike White is legitimately the Jets quarterback of the future. And is the guy that they thought they were getting when they took Zach Wilson second overall. And this is a guy you want to invest serious time and money into as your starting quarterback going forward. We need to see what he does when the offensive line doesn't block as well. Mm-hmm. We need to see how he is when he's playing games like we saw Zach Wilson play earlier this year, like in Denver, where he's getting free rushers thrown at him practically every other play. How is Mike White going to respond to make up for the rest of the team when the rest of the team isn't playing well. I think Mike White is the perfect guy to run your system when everyone else is doing their job. He's never going to make the terrible mistake. He's going to be on time. He's going to be accurate. He's going to hit people in stride and give them room to run after the catch. He's not going to throw the game away for you and make it any more difficult. He's not going to limit your play calling. That's the, the perfect game for Mike White to be playing in. But I still want to see, and for the Jets, I hope that they would want to find this out for themselves, how do you handle the bullets flying at you? And if he can still be this calm under pressure when he's getting pressured quicker, when there's more people coming at him, when it's happening more frequently, and he's still this efficient and the Jets' offense is still able to make plays like this, I don't think you can take him off the field, period. And I know Robert Sala said today that they still have every intention to get Zach back on the field and that this doesn't this game from Mike White doesn't change that and they still have their plans. I'm not disagreeing with that being their intention, but the reality might be that you can't afford to put Mike White on the bench and bring Zach Wilson back as much as Wilson may have improved because one you're going to be winning games if this is how well Mike White's going to continue to play and two I think the locker room is going to turn like I was worried about before where I think, quite honestly, Matt, after it was announced that White was the starter and we saw how other people responded, we heard some comments from guys like C.J. Mosley speaking about how the offense was was playing and how they needed a change. I think that locker room doesn't like Zach Wilson. And I'll I'll come right out and say it. I'm not going to I'm not going to insinuate or or think that that might be the case. I don't think they like him. I don't. Lamar Jackson's comments, too. Right. And, you know, there's there's been a bunch of uh, creaks or leaks coming out that make it seem like he's not the most well-liked person on that team. And I don't think it has anything to do, quite honestly, more so with Zach pers- Zach's personality, at- personality as it does his play on the field. I think the rest of the team knew he was holding them back. And the rest of the team knew that he's getting regarded as this hard worker and, and leader and everything else off the field. And they're all putting in hard work, too, and they're doing their jobs, and he's not. And they have this guy in Mike White behind him that's probably in practice doing his job. That's there on the meetings and paying attention and and handling his business. 
And I really think that this locker room was against Zach Wilson more than we thought. I don't know if after a performance like that, after the jubilation that we saw from this team, how they would respond to going back to somebody that isn't Mike White, if Mike White isn't playing poorly enough to worthy being benched. Yeah, I really don't know. Uh, how bad does Mike White have to play to to go back to Zach? Does, it, does all he have to do is just lose to the Vikings and all of a sudden we're, we're back with Zach? I, I, I really don't like that idea. Uh, I am all in favor of letting him ride. Let him cook a little. It, it's not going to be perfect all the time. It might not even be good all the time. Uh, there's, if I go back to the Bills game last year, uh, there were just the two factors to his failure in that game. One was the pressure that the Bills were were putting on him. Uh, I think his first two turnovers uh, resulted uh, were a result of him being hit as he was throwing, because he's not afraid to stand in the pocket and take a hit. Uh, but of course, like any other quarterback that's going to hit, it's probably going to cause some some fluttery passes or or fumbles. Uh, and then well, by that time, the the Bills already had a pretty decent lead. I think a three score lead going into the second half. And at that point, you now you're asking Mike White to be the hero. You you want him to bring the team back from obscurity. Uh, and I don't know if he's built for that. I don't know if our offense is really built for that uh, as it's kind of schemed up now with the dinks and dunks. Uh, it, it, it's made for playing in stride. It's made for being efficient and uh, getting a lead with efficiency. But at the same time, it's not really built for scoring fast and often. Uh, because when you play the short game with dinks and dunks, there's a good chance that you, you will get stopped eventually. Uh, and against better defenses, that's more likely to happen. So if you put a, a Mike White in a deficit like that, how will he react then? In addition to what you were saying, when the bullets are flying, when the there's bodies in his face, how does he react then? Those are the two scenarios that uh, I'm kind of really curious to see how Mike White plays. Because he also was hurt last year as well in that game. So how also how much did that have to do with it? Uh, we, we don't know. Uh, so yeah, there's still so much to see, and I want to see it. I don't want to go into the offseason with this question hanging over our heads. What if we just stayed with Mike White? What if? And it, it, yeah, if we go back to Zach at that point and it's the same, then that that's a hor- that would look horrible for Sala. That would look horrible for everybody involved. And yes, yeah. it would drain the locker room of any kind of energy that we gained last week, uh, yesterday against the Bears. Yeah, and this is kind of kind of my last point where I want to be very clear about this. The Jets don't have the time to afford to wait to figure out what they have in Mike White. He's a free agent after this year. Mm -hmm. And if if they don't want to bring him back, another team is going to sign him likely to compete for a starting job. I I wouldn't be... He's going to either be a very, very expensive backup or he's going to be signed as a bridge starter for a team that's either transitioning to a rookie or has a quarterback that they're not sure about or has, you know, an, an, an injury or is looking to get over the hump. Like, Mike White is going to be a commodity. And if the Jets don't want to make him a starting quarterback and figure out the rest of this year so they can know themselves and get in on the ground floor, then he's going to be out the door at the end of this year because he's going to get starting opportunities. And if from what I've heard from Mike White, he wants to play and he enjoys playing. 
that's what he's been working towards. I wouldn't hold that against him whatsoever. Why would you want to go and continue to be a backup of a guy you're better than if you can go start for another team? Wouldn't hear any arguments from me against Mike White's decision to leave. So they need to figure this out now. They have Zach under contract for three more years. They can afford to know that Zach's going to be back in the spring. He's going to be back all summer. They're going to have all training camp to get a look at him. They're going to have next season to get a look at him if they really want to. They have him under control. If they even think there's even a fraction of a possibilities chance that Mike White is going to be their starting quarterback in 2023, they need to play him this year to figure that out. And on top of that, it's the best thing for the team right now, too. There really is, in my eyes, no argument or no reason at all to go back to a Zach Wilson if Mike White is playing at the very least good. If Mike White is average, you saw what you had in him and Zach seems to be better in practice, okay. But if Mike White is playing well and the Jets are winning games, Zach's going to have to have some miracle turnaround in a couple of weeks of and time off and not in live action games to to make me consider even thinking about switching the two of them and putting him back in the lineup. I think this is Mike White's team the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And if it's yep. not, I feel like something very bad happened. Yeah, it would probably take like an injury, an injury for me to ever consider going back to Zach. Uh, and also, the whole idea of this break and rest and reset for Zach kind of, you know, sets the tone for like, okay, they see that there's an issue with him and they're going to try and fix it. If they just go back to him without it being fixed, how does that make them look? Exactly. <laughs> like th- they that w- they would look absolutely horrible putting out a broken product, a product that they know doesn't work, just for what the sake of of going back to their their second round pick. No, they've already when they m- made the move to Zach uh, to to Mike White, they already said that they don't care about that. They care more about winning. Uh so I wouldn't be surprised if something happened to Mike White that a Flacco <laughs> would probably go right back in. I don't think Wilson's going to be active next week either. I I wouldn't doubt that. Uh, no, I don't see it happening. And I, I really think that that's a really good point that you made is they have sold this as a break that Wilson needs to get repaired because he was broken. And that's true. He was broken. His mechanics had fallen apart completely. He was incapable of executing even the simplest of passes that were wide open. Uh, he was completely broken. So if you send him back out there and make the decision to send him back out there, then you're telling the rest of the world you fixed him. And if he goes back out there and he's still broken, then you're telling the rest of the world you couldn't fix him and you did it anyway. So I'm, that's a really good point. And I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that kind of encapsulates everything as unless Zach Wilson gets fixed. And we had said for a few weeks before this, that it was going to take a miracle for him to get fixed and get to the point where he's living up to the talent that he was billed as, as a draft pick going second overall, unless that happens and the jets luck turns around and all of a sudden they start having miracles happen at, at one jets drive. I don't see how Mike white isn't the starting quarterback for the rest of the season. And I think that's, what's best for the team. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's, it, it, that's it. That's it, there's nothing really else to say. It's, it's White's team until he proves that he shouldn't be. Uh, and I don't see that happening. I think, and, and as far as Zach goes, I think he should just look at Mike White's game against the Bears 
that's your baseline. That's what right. you're striving to be. That's what you need to be at a minimum. All right. That's if you can do that, we'll talk. But until you can do that and not just do it, do it consistently. Although, you know, we haven't even seen it consistently from Mike White. So who knows what what's going to happen? But I, I, I am confident that Mike White has the temperament. He has the the play, the skill, uh, the skill set to to really do what he did continually. Uh, maybe it's not going to be as good. It won't be a 300-yard game with, multi- with three touchdowns, but it will be uh, a product that we can go out and say, all right, he did his job. It may not have been perfect, but he did his job, and it allowed others to do their job uh, because nobody was growing at all under Zach. Everybody, Everything was stagnant. And what White was able to do is allow people to actually showcase their talents. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. You said it. You said Mike White deserves the chance to start until he gives us reason to be pulled, just like Zach Wilson got. Zach yeah. Wilson got a whole year as a rookie to start, came back injured, was immediately put back as soon as he was back healthy, even after Mike White throws for 400 against the Bengals and and gets hurt himself against the Colts, but has a good first quarter before that. You know, there was you know, immediately right back to Zach Wilson. And it took some shaky play against Houston, like you brought up. Didn't waver. It didn't seem like he was going to be benched. He got the chance to start again as soon as he was healthy this year and got multiple weeks of opportunities of play of of below average play that didn't cost them any losses that he got to skate by and continue. It's not like they didn't give Zach a fair shot either. And it's not like it wasn't to the point like we talked about last week, Matt. It was so bad they didn't have any other choice. If Mike White plays that poorly, then yeah, play Zach Wilson again, because it would be no different than if Zach Wilson was playing that poorly like he was. It was an inexcusable level of quarterback play that is not up to the standards of a professional football team and should not be a, a acceptable outcome for any team in the league. And if that's the sort of offense and sort of play that Mike White is putting out over the next couple of weeks, and this was just a flash in the pan against a bad defense, then hopefully Zach Wilson improved. But if not, I don't see any reason to make a change. And I really think it's that simple. Let's talk about the rest of this offense because they deserve some praise as well. Huge game from Garrett Wilson had, I believe, over 90 yards and two touchdowns on the day. We had Elijah Moore's biggest game of the season, getting some huge plays run after the catch, got a big touchdown catch on a third down uh, in the middle of the game as well. But most importantly, Matt, I think this game starts and ends offensively after Mike White with the offensive line and the running backs, specifically Ty Johnson and Bam Knight. Sala made the decision to deactivate James Robinson and keep Bam Knight active and give him his first uh, regular season action as an NFL player, as a former undrafted free agent. And then we saw Michael Carter go down with an ankle injury kind of earlier in the game. And from then on out, it was really Bam and Johnson as the only two guys left that could really tote the load in the backfield. And they absolutely delivered 131 yards combined on 19 total carries. It was a 6.9 yards per carry. Ty Johnson adds in a 32 yard touchdown run that calling Kyle Brandt angry runs. Go ahead. There's your nominee. Uh, We're just going to run through three bears like it's nothing and finish with a stiff arm before walking into the end zone. Excellent play from Ty Johnson and bam Knight. I think is the Jets running back to of the future. I'm 
I was so, so, so impressed with Bam Knight as a physical specimen, Matt. I can't even believe it. His first touch as an NFL player in the regular season, he catches this little dump off in the flat. And I had to go back and watch this play while I was reviewing the game tape this morning, probably about seven times, because I could not believe that he went from a standing start to basically full speed. And I'm not kidding. One step. One step. Yeah. He catches the ball in the flat. He puts his back foot in the ground and plants, and he's immediately basically at full speed. And he completely burns the pursuit angle of the linebacker that was trailing to catch him to the flat and is trying to go to the edge. Completely and totally ruins any pursuit angle that he even had. Squirts up the sideline and gains 17 yards on his first touch. I did not know he was that explosive. I knew he was explosive. I knew he was fast. I knew he wasn't just a power back. I knew that he had some juice to him and, and that he could fit this offense well and be a guy that can bring the boom and bring the the power when you need it, but is still going to have plenty of burst and juice to be able to get the edge and make some big plays. I didn't realize he was that explosive because that is like Bam Knight catching that ball in the flat and getting out of that pursuit angle is explosive for anybody in the NFL period, let alone a running back that's like 220 pounds. But the fact that he is a running back that's 220 pounds and he can be that explosive and elusive, I'm I'm overwhelmed with this guy's talent, and I absolutely cannot believe he wasn't drafted. I don't know yeah. how uh, on God's green earth that this guy <laughs> was not drafted because it was a shame, and the Jets got an absolute steal. The interesting thing going forward is Michael Carter, like I said, has that ankle injury. There's no guarantee he's going to play this week. The Jets did get some good news. They said it was more of a low ankle and they don't expect it to be a, a huge multi-week long injury. But this week coming up is not guaranteed. And I'm thinking it's probably leaning towards him. Carter going to be being out against the Vikings this week. That's going to be really tough. But if that is the case, give Ty Johnson and Bam Knight the majority of the carries because I think they are a huge part of this offense that's not being talked about enough. They had awesome games. They really did. Uh, as soon as Hall went down, I remember the first thing I said is everybody's panicking and saying we should bring in this running back. We should bring in Hunt. We should bring in this running back. We should bring in uh, any number of guys. Uh, we should trade thing, for James Robinson. We should trade for James Robinson. I was like, what, what, maybe we should just take a step back and be like, who do we have just sitting on this roster on our practice squad that can show up and show out? And I said, bam, right away. Like we should give bam a chance. Uh, they went up, ended up going with Robinson and we saw him get benched last a healthy scratch. So uh, the, the spark that we need that they wanted from Robinson, they got from bam night and from, from Ty Johnson, uh, I remember last year we were talking about how Ty Johnson was perfect for this offense, mostly because of his uh, cutback vision and ability uh, and his uh, his burst. And you were talking about Bam's uh, acceleration. Ty's acceleration was even more Oof. impressive, I think. The the fact that he was able to make that cut uh, behind the Lakin, I believe, yep. and just accelerate past the defense so quickly and powerfully, too. He had power. Of the make people miss. Oh yeah, ran through uh, arm tackles the whole arm time. Arm tackles were were nothing for Ty. Uh, he only had five attempts, I believe, five carries. And five carries, sixty-two six, yards, and uh, averaging over twelve yards a carry. Uh, I think he made four missed tackles forced, uh, and Bam Knight respectively had six. Uh, it, it was a very impressive outing from both of these guys, uh, and I think a lot of it. Not uh, yeah, not to take anything away from them and their talent, 
they showed out uh, very well. But the offensive line really did a great job blocking. I, every uh, having Herbig and Max Mitchell back, I think, made a huge difference. Uh, even uh, McGovern uh, was really just uh, pancaking people left and right and uh, imposing his will. Uh, the whole line as a whole just came alive and probably had their best game of the year. Yeah, in terms of total output, running the ball and pass protection, this was probably the best the offensive lines played all year. And and I still think it could have been better, quite honestly, is I thought they yeah. were really, really good in pass protection, and I thought they were good, not great in the run game. And quite honestly, I thought Bam Knight and Todd Johnson made a lot of those runs better than they looked. And whether it was with vision, whether it was with power, whether it was tackle breaking ability, speed, any of it, I thought they were excellent at taking a good blocked run and turning it into a great play. None more so than that touchdown from Todd Johnson, where, yeah. like you said, his ability to start pressing to the outside. And the second he sees Lakin kind of coming in front of him and he's got a lane to block in front of it, he just slightly turns his hips straight to get upfield, puts his foot in the ground and runs right past the pursuit of the corner right past him. It's like in one fluid motion, he, it looked like it was almost like a stutter step where he was just able to slightly shift his hips, turn, cut up field, get up field, runs through arm tackles, finishes with a stiff arm. Ty Johnson had a run on the end of the, at the end of the game on their last drive where he converted a third and 13 with a running play. Yeah. <laughs> and finishes it with his is where I, I really want to highlight Ty. And I brought this up on believe in jets too earlier today because Lamont Jordan, former Maryland ter- uh, Terrapin, fellow uh, relationship to Todd Johnson. They actually know each other personally from times when Lamont was back in Maryland. And I always love talking about Ty with him because he's such a big Ty fan. The one thing about Ty that he does that I brought this up to you off air, Matt, but oh my God, it sticks out to me every time I see him play. The dude gives no Fs about his body at all. He will throw a shoulder into anybody on every freaking touch. I don't think I, I think I texted this to you yesterday. I can't remember a run all season that Ty Johnson hasn't finished with by putting a shoulder into somebody at the very least. And he has that play on third down where he gets out to the sideline and he's catching the ball upfield and he could just run out of bounds. He could there's no nothing stopping him from just walking out of bounds and not taking the hit and getting the gain. But even if it doesn't gain him any yards, he wants to dish out some punishment and he lowers a shoulder into the corner or the safety that's coming into pursuit and absolutely flattens them, gets up, stands over them on the sideline afterwards. That mentality is is hard to teach. And it is I got to give all the credit in the world to Ty Johnson because he has improved so much in my eyes this year. I think he's gotten better in pass protection. I think he's just as explosive as he's ever been. And my God, the guy runs so hard. But you would not expect Ty Johnson to be one of the Jets' better power backs. But when they need him to be, he will be. And we've seen it more than once. He had a play last year, I believe, towards the end of the season where it was a short yardage play and he's getting the ball up the middle and he absolutely trucked the living hell out of a linebacker. I don't remember what team it was, but that sort of angriness and that power element that he has to his game is so underrated and i'm i really hope that he gets more opportunities as the year goes on because as much as i love michael carter and and in terms of personalities and people want probably my favorite person on the whole team but he has not looked that good this year and i think we need to be honest about that is that Carter looks like he's regressed a little bit. And for the talk that he had in the offseason about wanting to get one yard faster, I haven't seen it. And I really think that his explosiveness has been lacking 
And maybe it's hard when you're compared against someone like Brees Hall, that's an elite explosive athlete, that you're always going to look slower compared to them. But there's a reason that Robert Sala felt the need to shake up the backfield. And we had mentioned it last week, Matt, that these running backs were leaving yards on the field because they couldn't be explosive enough to get outside and hit holes when they were there. We saw a completely different story this past week, and I really hope it can bode well for the future. I'm curious to see how it works, like I said with Mike White, when the offensive line isn't playing so well. But if your offensive line is going to play like that, then I don't think it matters who you're going against. The Jets run game is going to eat. Yeah, they, they will. Uh, it, it's but the difference between Hall and Carter and Ty and, and Bam. Uh, one one big one that I've that I, I really like is that power that you mentioned. Uh, because we're such a bad short yardage team. Uh, and so it's kind of nice seeing some guys uh, with reckless abandonment for their own bodies uh, and just really putting it all out there and getting those tough yards. Uh, Carter, yeah, he'll he'll make people miss. But <laughs> usually with, with him, was, he was getting hit so much behind the, the, the line of scrimmage that he can only make so many people miss before he gets piled under. Uh, before even getting that yard. Uh, but everybody else, uh, Ty and Bam, they'll just put their foot in the ground, head up field, and they'll put the shoulder into the chest of a defender and get those yards. Uh, so I, going forward, I, I, yeah, I very much want to see more of them. Uh, less Robinson. Uh, although if Carter's out, they'll probably activate uh, Robinson. But if he's the third running back, I'd be happy with that. I think that's best case scenario, honestly. I think it's obvious how much better right now Bam Knight is. And if you're looking at them as the the spell to the number two and Carter can't play, then I think Ty Johnson's your starter, Bam's your two, and Robinson's your three. And I don't think that you're going to have any problems with your backfield if that's how things shake out. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing this group progress. I think there's some hidden gems in this group, and they really could be it could be a force to be reckoned with in the future. Matt, let's talk about this coming up game with the Vikings uh, before we get on out of here. This is going to be a really, really interesting matchup. You got two teams that are both playing well. The Jets is uh, seven and four and the Vikings, I believe they're what, eight and two or nine and two now at this point. Uh, They are, I believe, eight and two. I thought eight and two as well. Um, So they're eight and two. They're coming off a victory on Thanksgiving over the New England Patriots. Big, big, big task. Nine and two. Okay, so that was nine and two. So nine and two versus seven and four. You got two teams that are both looking for playoff spots going at it. Game is at Minnesota, so it's going to be the Road Warrior Jets once again. And I think we have to start with this matchup when we're talking about the Jets versus the Vikings. There is no other place to start than guarding Justin Jefferson and how Sauce Gardner is going to handle, quite honestly, his toughest task yet as a rookie corner going against, in my opinion, the best receiver in the NFL. This is going to be a tough task. And I want everyone to listen and remember this because I feel like Sauce is held to such a high standard and we have such high expectations for him that if Justin Jefferson catches a few balls on Sauce Gardner, it's okay. That that doesn't mean Sauce Gardner is a bust. That doesn't mean the Jets defense is broken. That doesn't mean that, you know, anything it takes away from anything that Sauce has done this year. Jefferson is one of the best players, if not the best player at his position in the entire NFL. He makes the best of the best look average. And so if Sauce Gardner gives him a run for his money, then the Jets really, really have something in this guy to where he's probably going to be a multi-time All-Pro and really follow in, in a Darrell Rivas sort of sort of shadow because that is a, a tough element and that is a tough ask. 
And quite honestly, Matt, I would love to hear your opinions on this. I don't think the Jets are going to expect Sauce Gardner to beat Revis and travel Jefferson the entire game. I think they're going to keep no. their defense structurally sound, try and get pressure up front with their four rushers and drop as many into coverage as they can. This is going to be a team effort more so than anything else. So that's going to be the attractive headline for everybody is going to be Sauce Gardner versus Justin Jefferson. But this is the Jets defense versus Justin Jefferson more than that. Yeah, uh, I think that when Jefferson's on the the other side from Sauce, they'll probably bracket him with Reed and and maybe Joiner. Uh, and then may, when he's on Sauce's side, yeah, maybe they'll they'll do the same. Maybe they'll bracket him on that side as well. But I think the key to stopping Jefferson is to really stop Cousins. And if you look at the the two worst games uh, for. Uh, uh, for the, the Minnesota offense, it's when the Eagles got pressure and it's when the Cowboys got pressure. The unrelenting pressure doesn't allow him to really get started and do what he wants to do. He wants to have time and throw downfield to Jefferson. He wants to have time and throw it down to Hawkinson. And then he wants to supplement that with short passes to Cook out of the backfield. So if you can get to him, if you can make him nervous, and make him anxious, that's how you stop Jefferson for sure. Uh, because if you do that, I think that our se- our secondary is good enough to take advantage of any mistake that Cousins makes. Uh, he, he, Jefferson is going to Jefferson. There's there, You can limit him, but you can't stop him. Uh, we've said that before about other stars in this league. You, you can only do so much. He will get his... Uh, and you just have to accept that. And people were looking at the the Claypool catch against Sauce and using that as like, well, look, he is human. Look at look at this thirty yard pass that he gave up. They're like, all right, well, he didn't give up another pass. I don't think the rest of the game. It was the so. only reception he gave up to Claypool the whole day. <laughs> exactly. So he was, he he gave up three catches the whole game. That was one of them. The, these the the talent that we have on our secondary is that special that I think they can match up against just about anyone. Uh, and if you add in a pass rush, uh, if 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 Quinnen and and our uh, our edge rushers can can hit home more often than not, it's going to cause trouble for them. They're never going to find their footing, uh, and that's really it. Just cause havoc with Cousins, and the rest will follow. Yeah, I agree. I completely and totally agree that if you go into this game going, we have to stop Justin Jefferson and Justin Jefferson alone, I think you lose. I think it, you you cannot just limit him and the structure of your defense isn't really built that way. It's going to be really hard to just focus on him and expect that everyone else on the Vikings offense isn't going to be a problem. This is a team. They do have skill talent. They have an offensive line that's playing pretty well, uh, pretty well, too. But this is the point I want to make, Matt. And we've seen history of this throughout this season. The Vikings are another team with Kevin O'Connell at head coach that runs a variation of the Jets own offense. That's the same McVay-Shanahan tree where it's outside zone primarily and play-action concepts behind it. And the verbiage is very same, similar. The formations are all very similar. The The plans of attack for the offense are all very similar. The rules in terms of you know where they check out of things and, and when they don't are all very similar. And we've seen time and time again this season that when the Jets play an offense that's similar to their own, they dominate them. They dominate them. They dominated the Dolphins. They dominated the Packers. They dominated the Broncos. They're going to dominate the Vikings. Again, would be the logical conclusion. 
is this is the same sort of scheme with the same sort of coaches. And it's against our defense. It seems to not work because Robert Sala knows how this offense works and he knows how to adjust his defense to stop it. I think that's a huge advantage for the Jets. And quite honestly, when I'm looking at this game, because I think this game comes quite really down to how the Jets defense performs against the Vikings offense. The Vikings defense is not good. Statistically, they're the 32nd ranked passing defense in the NFL. Their run defense, I have to go back and double check, but I'm pretty sure it's at least 20th or worse. Their defense is not a good unit. And if the Jets offense can do even somewhat similar to what they did against Chicago, they're probably going to be able to score points. You win this game by limiting the Vikings offense and knowing how those offenses work and knowing that when Kirk Cousins is kept clean and Kirk Cousins can distribute, that's when the Vikings offense is at their best. I think you have to first lead off every defensive meeting this week going against the Vikings that the guy that you are trying to stop is not Justin Jefferson. It's Dalvin Cook. If the Vikings get their run game going, then this becomes a problem. Then it becomes so much harder to play coverage because your linebackers are going to get sucked up. You're going to be getting a drives on schedule for the Vikings. If they're getting good running, uh, running plays on first and second down and getting ahead of the chains, you're going to free up play, uh, play action for Justin Jefferson over the top. The pass rush isn't going to be firing off the ball as hard because they're going to be waiting to see if it's a run play. You're going to give cousins time off play action to throw. That opens everything up. And the only bit of offense the Bears were able to generate against the Jets this past Sunday was when David Montgomery was breaking tackles in the run game and they were able to scheme up uh, passes off play action because of it. I'm worried that the Jets defense can fall into a trap where they're struggling to contain Dalvin Cook and that leads to wide open play action passes behind them. If they can stop the run first and foremost and get the Vikings into third and long, then you're playing right into the hands of the Jets defense. And that's when, obviously, again, stopping Jefferson is no easy task. But it's a lot easier to stop Jefferson in third and long when you're not worried about play action than it is on second and four when you are worried about play action. So for me, it starts and ends with stopping the run and containing Dalvin Cook. Yeah, and when I look at Cook and the the couple games I watched of the Vikings, they really like to run off of the right end. Uh, the right tackle. So uh, that's where they want to go most of the time is to the right. Uh, and they want to run it outside too. Uh, so they kind of really hint towards what they want to do. Most of those balls are going to go to the right. Plan for it. I I, I anticipate that's where they're going to go again, uh, especially if there's some injuries on the, on the left side of the line. Uh, they're probably going to favor the right side. So I think there's definitely ways we can limit this offense. Like you said, starts with Cook in the run game. And then the next in line, pressure, pressure, pressure. And don't stop. Don't let up at all. Because this is going to be a game that could be a dogfight. I think their offense is as potent as they are. And you were saying that their their point differential is only plus five. So the, the opportunities are going to be there on offense. I'm not worried about our offense. It's going to be all about the defense. Yeah, I agree. I completely and totally agree. I think the Jets offense is going to be fine. I don't even think we need to spend that much time talking about it because I think the Vikings defense, their secondary is hurt and playing poorly outside of that. Their interior, their defensive line is hurt. Dalvin Tomlinson's missed the last four games. We don't know if he's going to be playing this week. There's a chance he might come back, but even so, it's his first game back after a month off being injured. We've had Zadarius Smith in and out of the lineup over the last couple of weeks with injuries. You got... You got to block Daniel Hunter. And if Zadarius Smith is playing, you got to block Zadarius Smith. Again, easier said than done. 
but I don't think either of those guys are absolute world beaters to where I think we're going to have a, absolutely no shot of, of blocking any of them. I think having Max Mitchell back and Herbig back is definitely a help. And I think that the run game can do enough. Like I said, for the Vikings, if the Vikings can run the ball, it'll free up play action. Well, the Jets were able to run the ball and Mike White was throwing dimes off play action all day. I think it can be a similar outcome again. It's all about the defense. It is all about limiting Cousins. It is all about limiting Jefferson. It is all about limiting Cook and not turning this into a shootout. Because if I'm looking at this totalitively and and comparing these teams, I have to be honest. I think the Vikings have the better talent on offense. They have more of a proven quarterback. They have the best receiver in the NFL. They have Dalvin Cook, who's a top five running back. They have a healthy offensive line for the most part. Christian Derrissaw was coming back from a concussion that he suffered a week before the Patriots game. I'm pretty sure he played against the Patriots, but I'm not 100% on that. Even still, that's about their only injury. Looking at, and they have TJ Hawkinson, who they just added at tight end. I think the Vikings have the more talented offense, but I think the Jets defense is far more talented than the Vikings offense, and the Vikings offense is marginally more talented than the Jets offense. If the Jets defense can can do enough, if they can hold the Vikings under 17, I think the Jets are going to win the game. I think that is the what you're aiming for. Keep the game under 17 for the Vikings offense, and I think your offense will do enough to give you the win. Aren't we? I think we're undefeated when we score more than 18 points. That is correct. Yes, this year they are undefeated when they score at least 18 points. So I, I think that should be easy. I, I, I think the, the Vikings are one of the worst teams against play action. Uh <laughs> Having a heavy load of play action is is a recipe for success so far. Uh, I would continue that trend, uh, and I'm a lot more. How big of a much of a fresh uh, a breath of fresh air is it to not have to worry about the offense, to not have to worry about uh, will they be able to be competent? No, I'm not worried about that at all. Like that that's that's something great. I I I, I wasn't expecting to feel that much uh, th- this year. Uh, so thank you, Mike White. And thank you for putting me at ease there. And we all we have to worry about is our best unit being our best unit. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think so too. You want to get into picks and get on out of here? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Uh, all, right. all right. So I think, yeah, it's going to be a shootout, uh, which is something that I alluded to uh, that I don't want Mike Winan is a shootout. Uh, but I think that the opportunities are just going to be plentiful. Plentiful for him, so it's not going to be uh, an instance where he's going to need to come back uh, from a three-score deficit. I think he's going to be right there uh, with the the Vikings offense, and he'll be able to play his game the way he wants to play his game. Uh, with that, I think it's going to be high scoring. I am going to say thirty-three, thirty Jets. Okay. All right, we're we're pretty close. We're we're pretty close to, to on the same wavelength here. I don't think it's going to be a complete defensive nothing burger either. I think there is going to be some points scored. I think the Vikings just have too much talent on offense to completely limit them for the entire day. But I have a feeling that as the game goes on and the Jets defense gets more of a clue of exactly what the Vikings are trying to do, that that's when they're really going to step up. And you're going to see the the talent differential on both sides of the ball kind of even out where the Vikings aren't that much more talented than the Jets defense, if at all. And I think the Jets offense is significantly more talented than the Vikings defense. And that's going to be the key uh, that's going to seal things. I'm not expecting as high scoring as you. 
I think that this is still going to be a game where Robert Sala is going to want to lean on the run game and lean on his defense and, and try and take some time off the clock to limit the Vikings offenses opportunities. But I do think this is going to be a close jets win. I do think there's going to be some points scored. I'm going to go 24, 20 jets. Okay. All right. 24, 20. That's what, and I could see 33, 32, quite honestly, in a, in a complete and total shootout that, that goes crazy. If, if they can't stop the run and cousins isn't getting pressured, then there should have, he should have time to make throws and Jefferson's going to get open more likely than not. So I can completely see that, but I just, I can't see this Vikings offense getting enough stops to, to limit the jets enough to where the Vikings offense is going to do enough against our defense to win. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it could go either way, really. Uh, I, either way, I see this as a winnable game, though. Uh, and in this two-game series between uh, the Vikings and then the Bills the week after, I think we really need to sneak out with at least one win in these two games. And I think this is the more winnable game for sure. I think so, too. Uh, I, you're not going to get bad Josh Allen twice. And I think that with how Allen was speaking after that game, I think he's going to be looking for for payback. He's going to be in his own stadium. The bills are going to know that their playoff, you know, situation could be dashed with how tight this division is. And if the jets get a, a two win tiebreaker over them and they have the same record at the end of the year that, you know, they could go from leading the division all year to the seventh seed or, or something crazy like that. I think Buffalo is going to be ready to play. I definitely think this is the more winnable game. Absolutely. Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited it's, too. It's, it's, I, th- this whole season's just been fun. It's, I, it's, we don't go into each week dreading uh, what's going to happen next. And the fact that we have a competent quarterback right now uh, who we want to con- see if he can continue that competency, uh, I, I, it, it, it is a lot of hope on the horizon. Oh, absolutely. A- absolutely. The Jets are playing meaningful games in the month of December despite all the turmoil of their quarterbacks, despite all the injuries that they've suffered, despite the the trade requests that they've had to deal with, despite all of that, everything. They're 7-4, and four and they're playing meaningful football in December, and they're right in the thick of the playoff hunt with anybody else. That's all you could have hoped for, given the circumstances, if not above and beyond what anyone could have hoped for. Absolutely. Yeah, we, it can only... If we can finally break our, our playoff drought, uh, that that's that's something that can build the generation of Jets fans uh, with just having success. I, I feel like there's been so many uh, over, over a decade of just nothing uh, where it's probably been a struggle to really convince people to, to, to really root for this team. Uh, and you got the us guys who've just been here the whole time, uh, just hanging on by a thread. So it's it's really nice to to finally have something worth cheering for, uh, and it's it's a wild ride, I, and it's, a, it's fun that we get to continue it. For sure, for sure, it's been very nice waking up on Sunday mornings and looking forward to what's about to happen, and not shuddering in anticipation and getting PTSD flashbacks of of the game uh, the week before. It's been a nice change for sure. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This has been the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. As always, you can make sure to follow the show at OKD Podcast on Twitter, and you can also follow me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Matt, go ahead and tell the people where they can find you, and we'll wrap this one up. You can find me at Zazzy Jets. 
Thank you guys one more time for tuning in, and we will be back real soon breaking down the Jets and Vikings game. Looking forward to the following week against the Buffalo Bills as this playoff hunt continues. We'll be back. Thanks again for tuning in. Bye-bye. 